0: Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind, Body, and Soul series on the Success Insight podcast. The Mind, Body, and Soul series celebrates the journeys and stories from health and wellness professionals who are committed to helping their clients and patients realize their physical, emotional, and spiritual courage and well-being our guest today is Meryl Arnett Meryl has been teaching meditation for over 10 years with extensive experience in trauma safe and accessible practices she loves to help people discover that indeed they can meditate and that a daily meditation practice can be fun and joyful endeavor Meryl welcome to the mind body and soul series on the success inside podcast Howard, so
0: nice to chat with you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Fantastic. Well, I tell you, it's the fall season and I hope wherever you're at, you are starting to enjoy. I mean, just the air gets cooler, the colors change. And and even in the fall, I think there's opportunities for growth and wellness and just taking in the moment and especially in this hustle and bustle life we lead. And um, so again, I'm so happy that you've joined us and For our listeners, could we start off with just a little background about who Meryl Arnett is?
0: Sure. I am a mom of two little kids and a meditation practitioner for almost two decades now and a meditation teacher for a little over a decade at this point. And I really have sort of combined my love of nature. My partner and I are big hikers, campers, kayakers, with my meditation practice. And this is what I've been out in the world doing for the last many years.
1: Fantastic. And I definitely want to get into that aspect. I know we will, uh, because we also host the Outdoor Adventure Series. And mm. within the Outdoor Adventure Series, I mean, I agree with what you just said. It's getting out into nature and just stopping, listening, and I don't know about you, but I love like putting my microphone right near the water and just hear the the water lapping on the shore. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that. Now, before you entered into this space, because I mean, it's, it's not your typical nine to five job. I mean, obviously having two kids is, is this a 24 by seven job, but (laughs) how did you spend your time prior to this, this career of yours?
0: Yeah. You know, I started actually in public relations and I my like my first real job that I had and I loved was public relations for the food and beverage industry. And so I represented restaurants and chefs and wineries, and it was an incredibly fun job. And it was relatively soon after college. I mean, I was still very young. At the same time, I was getting married. I had started a yoga practice just for my own well-being. And As the years went by, I just noticed that I really felt this big divide between what I was doing in my personal life, my yoga practice, time in nature, spending a lot of time really getting to know myself And what I was doing for a job, which was very outgoing, lots of energy. I was always meeting with people and dinners out and lunches out. And it sounds very glamorous. And it was when I was 20 something, but it's also quite a energy draining job. It asks a lot of you. And so ultimately, after just about 10 years in that job, I ultimately took a giant leap and left PR entirely, and started teaching full-time yoga and meditation. It was a huge shift.
1: Was there an aha moment for you when you knew there was going to be a shift occurring? I'm curious about that.
0: There there were two, actually, and I'll tell you both if that's okay. Sure. The first one sounds a little bit hippy-dippy, but it's The god's honest truth so as i was getting married i signed up for a yoga and pilates boot camp as a way to like be fit right for yoga or for my wedding and i had done pilates before i did pilates all through college i had never done yoga it was four days a week 6 a.m i walk into the studio i unroll my yoga mat for the first time i'm following this instructor through the poses And somewhere in that first class, hand to heart, I knew in my bones, I was going to teach yoga one day. I just knew that I was going to do it. I cannot explain how. And I didn't question it once, to be honest. I immediately jumped right in with lots of practice and exploring different teachers. It took me three, maybe four years from that first class before I did my first teacher training. But that was sort of the first aha moment. And when I did that first training, then I started teaching 6 a.m. classes. So I would get up, no kids at that point, of course. I'd get up, teach my 6 a.m. yoga class, and then I'd go work my nine to five. And the second aha moment came several years after that. I had probably been teaching part-time for... I think three years, yeah, exactly three years actually. And I wanted to go to a training with a teacher that was going to be in town. And it conflicted with an evening event that one of my clients was hosting that I needed to be at. And it had just happened one too many times. And I just sat there and I thought, so what am I giving up? to do this thing that I believe I have to do? And is that an actual truth? And truly, that exploration is what started me on the path to ultimately leaving that job and taking on the job that I was meant to do full time.
1: Yeah, I love that story. And what I think is very interesting is many who have gone down a different but similar path. There's just series of events, this aha. And it, it it really kind of helped shape what our future is. And I I love that. And, you know, one too many events. I I, I paid my way through school as a wedding photographer. Mm. And so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I remember one year I was in college and, and I had this, I call, I think I called it the lost year because literally every weekend was spent shooting and I had no social life. And I thought, I really hate doing this. I can't do it anymore. And it's amazing all we have that, those stories in us. And I I love, you know, that you're uh, open to, to sharing that. I do have one little question, having the corporate PR experience, Have you ever taken uh, personality assessments like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC, social styles, anything like that? I'm curious what your personality is. Well,
0: I'm an Enneagram 3.
1: Okay. <laughs> if okay, that, I don't know that's, if that... that's the one I don't know, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Enneagram 3 is um I'm I'm not super well versed in Enneagrams, let me be honest. I did a right. one weekend workshop, but it really resonated with me. Sure. And it the thing that I really remember about an Enneagram 3 is one, you're very much an achiever, a planner, an org- like you're going to go out and do the thing that you're here to do. And you take great, what's the word? You get your support, your like lift, your oomph from being in community with people who support you. Okay. Like that's a very important piece to me. And so being with people who were on the same path in some way, shape or form, exploring the same things really was uplifting and supportive to me. In general, I would say I'm a huge planner. I'm a huge organizer.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to have to go and uh, review my Enneagram notes. I know enough about it to know I don't know enough about it.
0: I mean, that's me too, to be honest with you. It's such an interesting topic.
1: When you reach this point, like enough is enough. I'm I'm not going to give up my desire, my choice for being told I have to be somewhere. And you went into the yoga practice. You had, by that time you had been teaching. Did you start your studio? Uh, Yeah.
0: So I, when I first started, I was teaching at other studios. So I didn't own a studio immediately. I just, I focused on building my group classes, my private clientele and corporate classes was a big focus for me initially.
1: Okay. And, How did the, this world of meditation and really in the spirit of full disclosure to my audience, this is full disclosure, I'm a bad meditator. Mm. And and I I know you probably have heard that before, When we can possibly get into that. How did you then begin to contemplate this further evolution of who Merrill Arnett is and what you want to do and accomplish and for whom?
0: Yeah. So full disclosure, I too am, was, used to believe that I was a bad meditator. And that's actually part of the evolution, believe it or not.
1: So you I thought I was unique. Okay.
0: No, you and I are the same. So I did this initial yoga teacher training and I knew at least loosely that the whole point of a yoga practice was ultimately to be able to meditate. And yet nowhere in this training did anybody talk to me about meditation or teach me how to meditate. And then all of a sudden I'm a yoga teacher and I have all these students who are like, do you meditate? Should I meditate? How do I meditate? And I thought, I have no idea. And being the type A organized planner person, I was like, well, let me go figure this out. So I went and I did a five day meditation training. I spent five days, eight, 10 hours a day meditating. I left at the end and I thought, I hope to God nobody asked me what is meditation because I still cannot answer this question. And that was really the turning point for me. That's just not acceptable. People do this, they have done this for 2,500 years. There's some truth here, and I want to know what it is. And so I practiced with probably a dozen different teachers. I studied at two different Buddhist monasteries in Atlanta. And ultimately, Tara Brock was the first meditation teacher that ever spoke about meditation in a way that made sense to my brain, in a way where I could say, oh, I, got, I am meditating, I'm not bad at this. I'm doing it exactly right. And that moment when I feel like I got it is the moment when I said, well, I have to do this now. Because how many people like you, like me, are walking around saying, I can't meditate. And there's this truly incredible practice that we can all do. And with a couple minutes a day, significantly impacts the way we move through the world. That's what I'm here to do is make that accessible.
1: So you're telling me that meditation is not for 20 something, 30 something women wearing Lululemon leotards.
0: I'm sure that it could be and is. It is also for you. It is also for me. It is also for my parents. It's, it's for all of us. I teach my kids. It's, it's an incredibly beneficial practice. And there are a myriad of ways to explain it and go about looking for results. But for me, the thing that resonates the most is meditation is simply a practice of being in the present moment, without judgment and with compassion.
1: When you are beginning to work with someone and it doesn't have to be me because, you know, like I said, I'm a bad meditator. How do you begin to help someone who's not experienced but has discovered it, has heard about it? How do you begin to work with that individual?
0: In one of two ways most often. So if you're willing to explore a practice Then what I'm going to say to you is let's commit to 21 days of sitting for, what can you do? Five minutes every day, three minutes, maybe 10. That's going to be my goal is to get you to 10 minutes, as many days a week as possible. For years, I would not meditate on the weekends. I was like, I'm a Monday through Friday girl. Don't ask me to meditate on the weekends. Ultimately now, like I completely look forward to those 20 minutes alone and in silence every day. So I meditate seven days a week, but I didn't for years and I got tremendous benefit. It's starting really small with more consistency versus quantity and just letting yourself be okay with what happens. Set the timer, listen to a guided practice. Don't listen to a guided practice. Could you just let yourself be okay for five minutes?
1: So you can put on the microphone or the headset. And mm-hmm. do, you, do you have to send the kids out of the house, the, the pets or anything like that? Do you have a meditation room? How do you do that?
0: I do have a meditation room. And truth be told, most often I meditate on my couch. I have pretty much done it all in the course of, I guess now I'm going on 12 years, in the course of 12 years, I have pretty much meditated everywhere. I have meditated with infant children sleeping in my arms. I have meditated lying on the floor of my six-year-old's room while I was waiting for him to fall asleep. In the car, waiting for carpool to start. At an office, sitting in a chair with the phone ringing and people talking. And in a beautiful silent meditation room with incense and candles and the whole nine yards and the truth is it's not so much about creating this perfect zen experience because that's just not real life and if meditation only works for you in an all-white room with silence and candles and incense meditation isn't really going to work for you. But when you can find that place of I'm right here, I'm awake in this moment, I'm letting go of the judgment that I'm doing a good job or a bad job, that I'm right or wrong. And I'm going to be a little bit kind to myself, even though there are two kids fighting next to me and my partner stomping around upstairs. How does he walk so loud? I have no idea. And oh my God, I haven't checked email in three days. And in that moment, that's when I want my meditation practice to work for me that
1: one. Very nice. Very nice. How do your clients find you? And what is their presenting issue? I don't mean to turn this into a medical discussion, though I am curious about that as well. But what are they presenting to you that, you know, they've reached a point they need to do something and they've heard meditation, they've heard about you?
0: You know, I tend to get, that's a really interesting question. I'm thinking about this. So a lot of people find me through my podcast. I do a meditation podcast, which is simply a recording of my live Monday night meditation class each week. And I put it on the podcast so anybody anywhere can listen and get the lesson and the practice. And so I'm sure some people find me through there. Most of the students that find me either through the studio when I had a physical space or now in my live virtual classes, they come to me either being some sort of seeker, meaning I've explored yoga or I've explored some other sort of spiritual path and I'm just sort of hunting for capital T truths, and I want to find that. Or I have quite a background in training and teaching within PTSD, within trauma-safe populations and addiction recovery. And I get a lot of people that are coming with PTSD or some traumatic experience that are looking for help with intense anxiety, sometimes depression, and all of the accompanying symptoms of PTSD, in all honesty. So I get an interesting mix of students, to be honest with you.
1: Okay. Speaking of the PTSD, the trauma, other, you know, psycho, social, spiritual issues, I have two questions. And the first one is, and I'm curious, how does meditation help us physically, emotionally, spiritually, and improving our well-being. And also, you brought up, when I hear of PTSD, I think of military. I think of, you know, public safety-type individuals. When I think of trauma, I think of assault trauma, that type of issue. How did you train or become proficient to be able to support those kinds of populations?
0: So the first question, in general, meditation physically does a number of things to regulate our nervous system. Our nervous system is the part of our body that says, this is a problem, we have to fight or run or freeze or conversely, you're very safe, you can relax, your blood pressure can drop, your heart rate can drop, it's okay to be relaxed here. And meditation helps to move us into that state. The benefit of that is it really allows us to rebalance Or come back to neutral more quickly in a time when we are bombarded by notifications on our phone and a 24-hour news cycle. And we're aware of so many more problems globally than we ever have been before. And that's intense on a nervous system, PTSD or not, right? And so physically, the practice can help us balance our nervous system emotionally, and even more so specifically with, I mean, this is really true for everybody, and specifically for people dealing with some sort of trauma or PTSD. The practice of meditation is a practice of saying, can you land right here in this moment and know what you're feeling and let that be okay for a minute? Ultimately, I mean, one of the ways I describe it is meditation is learning how to be comfortable with discomfort. And normally something stressful or scary happens and we do everything we can to not be with those feelings. You know, if it's a general light thing, that's stressful. We had a rough day at work. We come home and we eat the chocolate cake. We drink the drink. We online shop or whatever your own personal escape mechanism is. And in a trauma response, that can be even more intense and we really can start to see substance abuse or alcohol abuse. And so the practice of meditation is one way, and I, within trauma-safe populations, I do this specifically with licensed counselors because it's not the only tool, but it's one way that we can basically learn how to tolerate really uncomfortable feelings and know that we're gonna be okay even though we're feeling really angry or really scared or really sad, we can feel that and simultaneously know that we're okay. That's a huge thing.
1: Sure. And and you are working actively with the mental health, you know, professionals, I suppose, even perhaps even medical professionals, you know, or alternative medical professionals to as, you know, a there's a word for it, but kind of a multidisciplinary approach to helping somebody solve whatever issue that they're facing.
0: Yeah, I have my own, you know, personal list of therapists that I recommend when somebody needs it. And I guide out to other organizations or places that are needed sometimes.
1: Okay. And how do you stay for the sake of a better word, sharp, really on your game as far as not only your your own personal practice, but also supporting your clients?
0: My own personal practice is my first priority of every single day, truly. And I, and it's interesting because I get to call that work. You know, it's not. It's it, I would have that be part of my day regardless of what I did for a living. And because what I do is teach and hold space for people and walk in a pretty creative line of work for the most part, what I prioritize first and foremost is my practice. And, you know, it's so interesting because in the time of COVID, my husband and I both work from home and we share an office and my husband has a corporate job. And he's got the three monitors on the desk and the 8,000 conference calls and all the papers. And he sits down, he starts working immediately. He like looks over at me and I've got the colored pencils and a sketchbook and I'm like (laughs) stretching on the yoga mat. Sometimes I go for a very long walk in nature and then I come back and journal and it maybe looks like nothing, but if I don't do that, if I don't do my practices, I can't do what I do in the world. I love it. Yeah.
1: You know, you brought up the magic word for me, nature. And (laughs) I know that nature has a space for you in this practice of meditation. Can you share a little bit more about what that looks like?
0: Yeah. You know, I've always been a nature lover. Well, let me rephrase that. I have been a nature lover since I was like in my twenties, since I became an adult and I think that's where I noticed for the first time that this is the place that I get a break. When I'm outside camping or hiking or canoeing, any of these things, this is when I notice that I feel I feel refilled and replenished. And so I've had that love. And then I have this love of meditation. And then I find... That in ancient texts, in the oldest text about meditation from the sages, they write about a mini universe inside the body. Essentially, everything that we see and experience in the outer world, we see and experience inside the body. And that struck me as poetic and beautiful. Okay. And then I read Carl Sagan, as everybody does at some point in their lives, and Carl Sagan writes of us all being made of stardust. And I'm like, okay, so there's some, there's even some science behind these teachings of a universe inside the body, because we have the same elements that make up the trees and the soil and the rocks and the water. We have all that inside us. Interesting. And then one of my teachers assigned me a practice for however I'm going to say, maybe I can't remember if it was seven days or 21 days, but go do this practice for however long and you're going to meditate connecting to each of the elements in your body. So earth, air, wind, fire, water, you're going to meditate and connect with these elements in the body. And I say, okay, I'm doing the practice. And I happen to decide to sit outside one day for the, my practice. I was like, it's beautiful. I'm going to go sit outside. It's a little bit windy. I'm doing the meditation. I get to the element of air and the wind is blowing. And I feel it. I feel the air on my skin. But even more so, I have a very tangible experience of what it means that air is inside my body. Not in my brain, but like an embodied felt sense of air inside my body. And that was enough for me to be like, oh, this is, I need to explore this. So the next day I sat by water and did my meditation. And it was at least the fall, because we had a fire in the fireplace. So I sat in front of the fire and thought about fire. And as I went through, I started to see, it's not just that we like nature. There's some science about it making us healthier. It's not just that. It's that our body has a direct link and know, knowing to nature. And so when we practice either outside or with the imagined connection of nature inside the body, something really shifts in our ability to think that we can meditate and somebody like you who loves nature but thinks they can't meditate I bet creating a meditation around being outside might be the thing that shifts you
1: as a matter of fact I mean two weeks ago I was in Vermont yeah Mm. for, for a writer's conference and you you can see it probably on my monitor that's the colors behind me. So for my listeners, the, the, the zoom background is, is Vermont. It's beautiful, but sitting outside, just standing, not doing anything, just being silent in the moment, you know, the, the cell phone didn't work, which was great. Mm. I wasn't checking anything and it was just, it was just really amazing just to sit out and just, be in the moment from a coaching perspective, in the moment, silent and just listening to nature, the birds, early morning, the birds are going somewhere, there's wind, you can hear the 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 trees ruffle, the leaves ruffle. And it was just and it was crisp air. And mm. it was just really amazing experience. And I do love that. I mean, even being out in the desert here in Las Vegas is just it's it's amazing to be in the moment. So do you ever take uh, your clients out into nature or is that just kind of reserved for you and the family or
0: <laughs> so far that has just been reserved for me and the family. Okay, And it's one of the reasons that my app exists in all honesty is because I was struggling with this way of how do I bring this experience to my students who either don't want to camp or don't have the means or the space or whatever, right? Or don't know how to relate to nature as a meditation practice.
1: And that what Beryl, was the perfect segue because i oh, love to- Oh, you know I do this. <laughs> i love if we could chat about the app now. How does that work? How does that kind of fit into your, your practice?
0: Sure, so the app is called Shoreline. Listen to nature. And it's really- to me, something super special. I, it's the greatest joy of my work of my life really to work on this app. So I, there's, it's a very small team of people. One of the partners in the app is Gordon Hempton, who's an acoustic ecologist, and he has spent his life traveling the globe, recording the most beautiful pristine sounds in nature you can imagine, incredibly specific, a specific coastline at a specific time of day, standing next to a specific tree in a specific forest. And so within the app, you have the opportunity simply to listen to soundscapes. There's no guidance. You can just listen to these amazing sounds in nature. And what science has shown us is that listening to nature is essentially the second best thing. If you can't get out, you're in your office and you just can't leave for the day, you can't get out for a walk. Listening to a healthy ecosystem restores your body as if you were actually standing in Vermont breathing the crisp air. So that's amazing. There are also guided meditations that I've written to go specifically with these soundscapes. And so if you're like, uh, there was something about a fall morning in Vermont, right? Then maybe the meditation, let go like falling leaves is going to trigger that experience for you, even though you're not in Vermont, even though it's not the perfect fall day and the air isn't crisp today, you still can connect with those experiences in your body. So that's what we do.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Now. I have to ask because I am not an Apple connoisseur, and okay. I noticed that this application is Apple operating system. When's that going to be available for the rest of us?
0: We are working on it. I don't have a date yet. Okay. I will tell you, I have learned, you know, I'm not a technology person, and I have learned so much about this as we have mm-hmm. gone through the process. And we, it's easier to launch an Apple. It's much, much easier. And so we started there and we've been getting feedback and growing and making sure that we're in the place we want to be so that when we build out for Android, we don't have to reiterate 19 times. So we're still sort of in this growth phase. This is
1: still the first year of the
0: app. So I would guess somewhere in the next year, you'll get it in Android, but it's going to be a bit longer.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, for right now, I will uh, take advantage of the, the podcast. And I'm curious, uh, what are your clients or customers for the app, You know, for the podcast, your clients that you're working with, what are they saying about... The experience of working with you, working on their meditation practice, becoming comfortable around this process. So, like me, I'm a bad meditator. I have no doubt after 21 days of really focused meditation practice, I will get comfortable with it. But what are your clients, your customers saying?
0: One of the things that just absolutely lifts me up is I get emails from podcast listeners from all over the globe, especially in 2020. I mean, I got more emails in 2020 than I've gotten in the last 10 years combined of people saying, man, I, I was struggling and I thought I could meditate and I tried it and I couldn't do it and I gave it up. And then I found your podcast or I took one of your classes and I realized that I was, I was doing it. I can do it. And so for me, that's That's the piece that lights me up the most. That's what I look to offer when I teach is pathways in that aren't saying you have to meditate for 30 minutes every single morning in order to be a meditator. Or, you know, you have to go on a five-day meditation retreat, a 10-day meditation retreat. That's lovely. I'm not knocking that. But also you can just be you in your life as it is in this moment and be a meditator.
1: I love it. Meryl, before we head out, we have a a feature on almost all the podcast episodes, not everyone, and we call it Insight to Go. And we ask our guests to share an insight from their work, perhaps a quote or a book they've read, an article, something that they would like to leave with our audience. And this being the Mind, Body, and Soul series, I think it's a great segue is because I'm sure you have some wonderful insights mm-hmm. that you would like to leave our audience with. I would
0: like to leave you with a hundred, okay. <laughs> uh, but I will pare it down. Let's see. So I, you know, harking back to the beginning of our conversation. And as I was talking about leaving the corporate job and exploring something new and One of the books that I recently read that really has stayed with me is Creativity Inc, written by Ed Catmull, who's the president of Pixar. And it's a book really about running an organization, but it's a book about what it means to be a creative person, what it means to be scared and do it anyway, and I just took so much insight from his stories, from his the questions that he posed. So it was a book that I would highly recommend, Creativity, Inc. I loved it. And then on a less businessy and a more mind, body, soul bent, the Crypto Naturalist podcast is just one of the most joyous podcasts to listen to on the planet in my opinion. it is a little bit weird and very much based in a deep love of nature and an invitation to explore and feel and be poetic. Uh, and I listen to it as often as I possibly can. So those are my those are my top favorites right now.
1: Fantastic and thank you for sharing and I have to say, I've heard of Creativity Inc and I have got to go check. It's probably on my Kindle. I don't do books anymore. Mm. After moving in boxes, no more books. No more. <laughs> and I definitely will check out the Crypto Naturalist podcast because that could be a good feature for our outdoor adventure series. And really, when you t- chatted about the designing of the app and working with Gordon Hampton, uh, wonderful, I think, uh, opportunity to have him as well if he's open to it uh, on the outdoor adventure series just the the fact it's out in nature and to me he's on an adventure to capture all these unique sounds
0: he truly is and he's such a delight to talk to i have to tell you i you know i knew of gordon because of an interview that he did on the on being podcast with krista tippett and It's one of my favorite interviews I've ever listened to. It was so heartfelt and interesting. And I took so much away from it. And then as this opportunity to work on this app was presented to me, they said, well, the other partner is Gordon Hempton. I said, I'm in. I am in. And it's been even better than I imagined it would be. It's a delight to work alongside him. So I I hope you get to interview him.
1: Excellent. It's amazing when the stars align. Meryl, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go?
0: Well, definitely my website, which is my name, merylarnett.com. You can see live classes, podcast, the app, it's all on the website. And then Instagram is where I share pictures of my crazy children and my own meditation practice and adventures out in nature. So it's always fun to go there as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, we will provide the backlinks to the website, merrillarnett.com as well as to your uh, Instagram uh, page. And I love Instagram. I, in fact, I love it even more than Facebook. I mean, I can do, Me away. Too. I, I can do away with Facebook. If, I mean, I would love to.
0: Same. same. And
1: <laughs> we'll also provide to make sure we have the backlinks to the, the app, uh, on the uh, Apple iOS, you know, website as well as the link to your podcast as well. Meryl, it's been a pleasure to have you join me on the Mind, Body, and Soul series on the Success Insight podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Howard.
1: All right, have a great day. You too. Okay, folks, we have just been chatting with Meryl Arnett. She's a a mom, a meditator, nature lover, creator of the Mindful Minute podcast and the Shoreline Listen to Nature app, and really just uh, a, a very nice story. Great way to start the week, kind of hear more about her background, how she did her own transformation from the world of PR into yoga, and eventually into this world of meditation. Very powerful, and even though I can't use the app just yet because I'm an Android kind of guy, I am going to go out and listen to the podcast because what the heck, that's a great way to start. Uh, I hope you do the same and folks do check her out, merrillarnett.com as well as on her Instagram. And of course, again, we're going to provide the show notes as well. Folks, if you enjoyed uh, today's podcast, the mind, body and soul series on the success inside podcast, do visit us on successinsightpodcast.com or on LinkedIn and Facebook, our Success Inside podcast pages. We are on all of the podcasting platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Audible, YouTube, and especially Spotify, where we have the Mind, Body, and Soul series playlist. Okay, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day. Take care of yourselves, your family. Practice social distancing, if it makes sense, wear your mask, if it makes sense. But above all, take care of those around you that you love and take care of the community. And we will see you on another episode of the Mind, Body and Soul series on the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online,
0: successinsightpodcast.com. We'll be right back. back.